This is the MFG cast. Hey everybody, Kurt here. Another awesome episode. Another great guest. I told you we're the 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 great guests just keep on coming. I I feel we feel very lucky here that we get to just talk with some awesome people and run some wonderful stuff. So this episode is not going to be any different. I actually have the mastermind behind a little RPG you may know called A Single Moment. Uh, maybe some other things you may not know of that he's done like that night out and uh, a game that we're actually going to play tonight, which I'm really excited about cat's dream. Toby, a bad Toby. Thanks for coming on this on the show. Thanks for having me. And yes, I'm very excited to be on the show. Oh, awesome. That's, that's always good to hear because sometimes you don't hear that and you're like, Oh man, do they really care? <laughs> Are they just like sitting there rolling their eyes going another dumb podcast? But I'm glad you're here. This will be fun. Hey, it takes a lot of courage and resilience to do podcasts. I yeah. tried in the past and I couldn't because I just run out of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have you on because then I just have you do all the talking and I don't have to do much work. But no, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do some work when we when we do the role playing game. So that'll be fun. But before we get into that, I always like because you're a, our first time guest for us. I always like to ask what I ask everybody. So how did you grow into gaming? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> You're like, do you I, have three hours? My my role-playing game introductory story starts all the way back in, well, we call it grade school here in the Philippines. I'm not sure if you call it something else there. But um, there was a school bus where I used to go. I used to ride to get to school every day. And part of the people in the school bus would be people in high school, the higher level. And they would be playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I would just be staring at them from my chair because I wasn't one of the cool kids. And I always wanted to, you know, join them because I could hear them and they're having so much fun at the back of the bus. So eventually I nagged them to let me play. And that's when I had my first ever game. They this was a time when Dungeons and Dragons had elf as a class. It wasn't a race, because there weren't races back then. So it's either you're an elf, you were a dwarf, you were a fighter, a cleric, etc. I was an elf, and I excitedly made up my character. The GM starts the story and tells me I'm on a mountain. And I'm like, I look around. And he's like, you feel the mountain starting to shake. And I'm like, okay, I climb the nearest tree, and I look for what's happening. And then the GM goes, you realize you're on a volcano. It erupts. You're dead. <laughs> well, that that's, that's not nice. Why would they do that it, to you? It was course a terrible thing to do to someone young but back then you know how it is when the older students or the older kids don't like the younger kids so that was their way of saying you know this is our thing stay out of it but they didn't realize that it made me so much more excited because suddenly i could just imagine all that awesomeness and i decided i'm gonna start playing this game 
Yeah. Um, it did reach, teach me a lesson as well that, you know, you, you should never let your players feel like crap. So <laughs> definitely what, what a passive aggressive way to tell, tell somebody that you, you know, we don't really give a crap about you. That's, that's, that's harsh. That was, however, um, way back in the nineties. So <laughs> things were very young and mm-hmm. we were still very foolish. And, um, there was also the assault of, you know, um, groups like the 700 club and the like that were all talking about satanic panic. So, it was understandably a very different time. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So then, so what makes you think then? You know, you know, I, I you know, I love this thing called role playing. Like, why did you all of a sudden decide into you know get into making games? Was it something that was just purely for, let's see what I could do? Was it something that you know so, someone that you were hanging out with or someone you knew was like, you know, uh, I should do this for something for our group? I think that would be fun. Like, how did that all come about? Admittedly, in the younger years, my initial um, ambitions were to work on films. I, I, I had these dreams of being a Filipino director who first used computers to make movies. Of course, then Beauty and the Beast came out, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but with all my desire to tell stories, role-playing games felt like an awesome, you could say, surrogate thing to get into. Because I had unlimited budget to do all the special effects I'd wanted. I, I didn't have to cast for actors because I had players who would be, you know, happily playing their roles and enjoying their stories. So that was where it all really began. Um, and creating games sort of became just the next natural evolution. Since I loved telling stories, I started wanting to create games that allowed me to tell stories. So from home brewing, everything from creating this, um, I used to I, I used to run this super super spy superhero game using the World of Darkness system mm-hmm. because the vampire disciplines just fit in so well as superpowers. <laughs> um, and then I started running these um, long Dungeons and Dragons games called The Company, which were inspired by Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, nice! And it was, it was that sort of evolution of homebrewing until finally you realized. Why am I limiting myself to just these systems? And it was around the same amount of time that I realized there were so many other games out there that I started to realize, hey, I could make my own games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that eventually leads to a single moment being the time I was brave enough to finally release something which I felt was on a professional level. Because prior to that, I did have a lot of games that were just shown off on the blog, and I was kind of hoping people would like them. So have you gone back to any of those old those old ones and tried to kind of tinker with them and make them into something else? That's um actually Cat's Dream is one of the perfect examples of that. Oh, um nice. and this is probably going to step ahead into one of your questions, but <laughs> um way back in February 2013, um there was something called the Creative Pay It Forward. I'm not sure if you ever noticed that way back then on the internet. Mm-hmm. People basically had this post about how uh, the first few five people to like the post, you will commit to creating something and giving them that that gift. And they then have to offer the same thing to their network. So everyone's basically creatively creating something forward for someone else. Nice. And back then, um, one of my friends 
there's a number of friends actually who liked my post then, and I promised them all I'd make games for them. <laughs> and one of the friends was, her name's Jovan, and she was the one who requested for a game inspired by Studio Ghibli movies. And even more interestingly, she admitted to me that she rarely has time to really play with others, so if there was a way that it could be played alone, that would be awesome. No, oh, thanks. So that's where it began. It was a blog post. I made up the tables. I came up with a system for the cards. I released it on the net. And I was surprised that there was a pretty good response. A large number of people back then, thank you, Google Plus, and thank <laughs> you, Blogger, for, for being available at that time to share the work. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of people saw the link. They started writing back or commenting back or even posting on their own blog summaries of the game sessions they had. And I got a lot of great feedback from that. And between that and this year, I spent some time refining things. I found an amazing artist by the name of Ivan Frani. He used to be someone I work with who has a very awesome way of using Photoshop and Illustrator to create artwork. He first made some art for me for Sickening Queens, my drag queen fiasco game. But for this one, I challenged him to come up with artwork that made you think it was a new Studio Ghibli movie. <laughs> and I think he succeeded very well. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because when when I saw it, I was like, okay, where did you steal this from? Because it just, it, <laughs> it, you know, it looked like it was just torn off of the, you know, off of the screen from, you know, something else. So I was just like, wow, that's, that's, inc it's incredible. The artwork, if you, if you have the time, take a look. It is truly amazing. I still have all the um, back and forth thumbnails of the initial artwork and art pieces that eventually leads to the final work. And maybe someday if this game actually gets popular enough, who knows, maybe there will be some sort of director's cut Kickstarter release and I could include all the behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So it's interesting that you talked about, you know, having a game that actually plays one player when you're, it's funny because when you think about role-playing games, you know, not too many people think, oh, this is something I can play singularly. But it seems like nowadays, like, you know, in a lot of different spaces, there is a lot of room and a lot of creativity for people to, you know, make those things where it's like before it was just like you had to have a group, you know, with Dungeons & Dragons, you had to have a group of three or more people. Otherwise, it just, you know, you're, why are you doing it? And now you have these games where... You can play with one, two, you know, less amount of people than you would, you know, imagine, you know, in the past. Yeah, it, it, I personally feel like it's some sort of the golden era of role-playing games. Because mm -hmm. it seems to be also part of what's happening because of the evolution of, this, of the way people play. I mean, mm -hmm. back when gaming started, you literally only played with people you knew because mm -hmm. they were your, your circle of friends. But as we get older and as adulting starts happening, gaming got bigger to the point that you had conventions. So now you started playing with total strangers and the need to be more sensitive and safety tools started emerging. Um, you started having the chance to play online. So these are even people you don't even literally meet. And with online tools came suddenly the advent of so many new things, everything from video to audio to dice rollers and you know, graphical maps and interactivity. And of course, the natural progression as people are adulting, we all have less time because we have responsibilities, we have families, we have jobs. Suddenly, solo play becomes a viable thought. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm yeah. very excited to see what will come next, especially as you know, 3D printing is becoming more yes. accessible, and Absolutely. you know, maybe if 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 fate permits, maybe teleportation will be sometime next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be that would be so great. Then it'd be so easy to get get around and meet people and go to conventions that are like too far away for us. Oh, yeah, and yeah. or maybe see those people. Or maybe if it's not teleportation, maybe it's like surrogate clone. So you could yeah, be like two games at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. So it'd be like, okay, I need every one of you to tell me your experiences of what just happened in all your games because I want to feed it through you. Uh, or, you know, you have that surrogate clone that actually works for you while you go and do these fun things. Yes, that would be the best. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. You go work for me, but I don't like to work. Well, you're my clone. You have to do what I say. No. I, uh, who knows how that would all go? I'm sure it would be terrible because yeah. something bad would happen because in those movies, something terrible always happens. There's a new, I think it was Netflix show that has that exactly as a premise. I think oh, it was that's right. With Paul Rudd. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> Living with myself, I think. Yeah. Yep. And even in, if I'm dating myself, even if you're looking at the movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton way back in the day, yeah. after a while, yeah. like, it got interesting. <laughs> so when, when you're talking about, you know, writing, you know, what are some of the things you keep in mind when you're doing something like, is it is it between each game? Is it something where you're you have a different mindset or is it the same thing every single game? That's a good question. I've oh. never been asked that. <laughs> I love that. Um, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I love it when someone tells me that. It makes me feel good. I appreciate it. You're doing your job very well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think there are parts of my brain that are functioning the same way. Um, in the sense that, because my day job is, I used to be a senior game designer, but now I'm the creative director for a technological for a techno company for a mobile company. So I do mobile games and e-learning apps pretty much during the daytime. And then one time on my free time, I'm doing analog games because I'm doing either role-playing games or fiddling with ideas for card games or board games. <laughs> so there's a part of the of my brain that's pretty much the same spot, which is all about defining what experience I want the players to go through and then finding the mechanics that allow you to experience that and then anticipating the activities that you want to discourage so you make sure that the game helps them realize that mm -hmm. so you have stuff like you know like in some games where in it might be as simple as the golden rule of don't be a jerk but then you have other games where in like um let's say um ah what is it called i think it was trial by cthulhu and mutant city blues where in they wanted the procedural mystery system so rather than force players to roll and succeed in finding clues, they just have points they spend. Nice. So the system helps ensure the experience matches what the game is designed to do. Mm -hmm. So so when I make my games, I kind of have that in the back of my head no matter what game I'm working on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm also a film. I used to really be into film mm -hmm. so and theater, actually. So I also have that part of my brain which are very different characters to use inside out as an analogy. If I'm making a drama game, it would be very different in how I think and how I view things compared to if I'm working on a horror game. Because mm -hmm. there, are, there, there are certain emotional touchstones and experiential points that you want to target. 
and you have to block out some of the genres when you're working on on games, at least for me, because there's always a part of me that goes, hey, that works. You know, you could use that also here and you could also make that work for that. And I'm like, stop, shut up, shut up. I'm doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I admit, totally and, get that. And admittedly, for Cat's Dream, I kind of still slipped. So if you actually look in the back portion, I wrote the game initially inspired by the Cat Returns, but starting page 57, it's suddenly Graveyard of the Fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny to think of where our minds go. Sometimes they go to the same places, and it's it's interesting to see how that works. So, so I, I love to ask this question, even though it, it's it's kind of it's probably probably the question that people like to answer the least. But what's what's something that you struggle with when you're making these games? Is it something where is it procrastination? Is it a certain uh, mechanic in a game, you know, what's something that you struggle with when you're trying to make these games? Before, my struggle was always the fear that anyone who reads the game would go, ah, oh, you're just ripping off X. No. Because there's, there's so many awesome games out there, so it's hard mm-hmm. not to be inspired by them. That's and true. then worse, there's always the possibility, you, you think you came up with this awesome system and it's actually already out there. <laughs> um, so that's the, the fear I used to have so much. But as of the late, the fear I am now always dealing with is there's always that fear that you might be stepping on someone's toes or writing something in a way that others might find offensive or unacceptable. We're, we're living in such a different time now that you want, to be, you want to just be creative, but you also realize that you have to some level be sensitive. And it's hard sometimes to balance the two because there are times that you get so caught up with the inspiration or with the creativity that you fail to realize, whoops, you're, you're, you're kind of getting a bit out of place there. And I guess that's why art can always be controversial sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're inspired by a certain genre or something, you know, you just, you have to kind of walk on eggshells because you don't want to trigger something that you weren't, you weren't planning on triggering. So you have yeah. to, be, there's a fine so, line. So like when I released a single moment, I was very proud of it. I was very happy. And then um, I was in touch with a, um, a few game designers from other countries, including Andy Kipkowski, who's based in Japan. And all of a sudden, I was scared. I was so scared that, you know, they would be like, why do you write this game? You're, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not one of us. Or who mm-hmm. are you? You, you, don't, you, don't know, you have no educational background to write about this culture and this and that. And I was really expecting so much flack for it. And I'm just so thankful that, Everyone was just kind and accepting and supportive. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, I'm still afraid of, I'm always just afraid of writing something that people might take the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to be careful. So let's get away from the bad stuff. Let's get to the good yeah. stuff. So what's, what's, your, <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite thing about writing? What's, you know, what just every time it happens, you think to yourself like, wow, I'm glad that this happens, you know, when I do it. Admittedly, I don't find um, I don't find writing fun. Mm. I do I do enjoy writing, but it's mm-hmm. not fun. It, it's happy work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's the kind of work that you might be hating yourself while you're doing it. You know, how, <laughs> how did I get myself into this rut? But 
But as you do it, when you're done for the day, you're like, okay, that was awesome. I, I did a number of pages for that, or I covered that system. I made it work. What brings really the joy for me is when you hear the aftermath, when when I bump into people or when they message me on social media and they're like, hey, I just played your game with my niece and she's excited to play again. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. It's so, <laughs> so nice of you to tell me. Because not that many people take the effort to reach out and yeah. you know give their thanks. And that's yeah. what I really, I really appreciate a lot. That's great. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I definitely as being a creator of something, you know, it's sometimes <laughs> you do things and you think, why, why am I doing this? You know, is anybody getting any entertainment value out of this? And then when you actually do get that one or two people that say something, it's, it's, it's crazy how just saying one thing to somebody every once in a while really brightens up their day. You know. Yeah. So it's always so good to try to convey that. That is so true. Yeah, exactly. Um, boy. <laughs> did this did get, did get heavy? <laughs> it got heavy. It did. I'm like, jeez. Drink? Somebody? Anybody? No, no, no he's got anything. Um, <laughs> jeez. So. <laughs> Wait, we can have a commercial break right now. No kidding. Okay. Da, 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 da. No. So let, I, I just want to talk about a single moment for a second. Sure. I, sure. Know, I know you've talked about it, you know, quite a bit on different podcasts and stuff like that. So, you know, this thing, you know, you do it, you're proud of it. And then, you know, for me, I feel like it, ca- it caught fire. You know, it, it seemed like a lot of the places that I'd been listening to are all of a sudden, we're going to play this game. And you're like, awesome. You know, and you're like, this, this sounds like a fun game. I want to, ta- I want to see about it. And, uh, you know, we I think I think we actually played it on the can't remember if we played it on this podcast or we played it off podcast. I can't remember just because it's it's been a bit for us. But, uh, you know, it it's cool to see something like that where it's not Wizards of the Coast or it's not Numenera or Numenera or however you say it. I'm sorry. I never get that right. But mm-hmm. um, how does it feel when you feel? when you find that these different places are playing that game and they're, and they're telling their friends and they're, you know, it's just something where it's like, wow, this is actually something that's getting some press. How does that, how does that make you feel? That admittedly, it's still a, uh, it's a high that I still super appreciate. And I don't know if I'll ever, ever go past it. Um, When the game was released, I remember I was so, so nervous about it that every single time I checked the drive through to see if there were sales, I was posting on social media. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I sold five. Oh my God, it's now 10. Oh my God, it hit 12. And I was just so shocked as the numbers grew up. And then the next thing I know in the coming weeks, there were there were other podcasts and other shows that started trying the game. They they were all very, you know, very generous with their kind words and they were all having such a great time. I, I've seen some shows where their fans even made fan art for the story created by the game. Nice. Uh, the game has gotten popular enough that um, it inspired as well a few spin-off you know, standalone games by other creators, mm-hmm. as well as uh, there have been other language releases. I know there's a German and a French and a Spanish release. Awesome. So, so I'm just astounded at how far the game grew. And mm-hmm. 
I still have dreams of releasing a new edition called the Director's Cut. Um, I've even tapped a number of local creators here in the Philippines to come up with their own playsets, just so that when the book comes out, there's even more more options to play it. I'll probably look into getting that out once I feel it's a product that I'm confident enough to release. Because now the new fear <clears throat> is that, you know, it's a supposedly a new edition, so why should I spend money on this when I have the original game? So, and, and that's a whole new ball of fear that I've never thought I'd find myself dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in, I think in this space, and I will, I think I'll tell you from experience, like if, if somebody trusts you and trusts your game, then I have a feeling that if you come up with something that, you know, has a lot of, you know, a different variety to it that they'll suck up into it because they'll be like, oh my gosh, I love this one. So of course I'm going to love this one. So I don't think you have anything to worry about, even though you will worry just because we're human beings. That's what we do. I understand that. So, yeah, and I think we're, there are, our constant worrying about making it good enough helps us make sure it does get better because mm-hmm. we're not like blindly just thinking, oh, my game's awesome. And we just launch it out there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So so let's get out of the talking aspect of this. Let's get mm-hmm. into the imagination. Let's get into the let's get into uh, <laughs> let's get into the I don't know. God your your, gu- your guided solitaire experience. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that that I couldn't have said it better. So let's play some cat's dream. I'm excited to play this. I'm gonna have you kind of go through it with me just because uh just like I told Toby, before we started or before we got on here, I'm terrible at remembering things. I'm sure some of you people that listen to this podcast probably like, yes, yes, you are. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to play this. Uh, one of the things I like doing, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, is like when I started, I played a little bit of D&D when I was in high school and then uh, didn't play much else in between. You know, it was like mostly D&D. Sometimes it was like... Uh, vampire the masquerade and like just some small other things here having this podcast is awesome because we get to talk to people like you and play games that you know i normally wouldn't see you know because there's mm-hmm. just again like you talked about there's just so many darn things out there so sometimes it's hard to be like oh what's this oh that's cool i wish i knew 10 other things about it it's a little bit easier now to go online and just ask the internet because sometimes the internet will spit a lot of things at you so why don't you just kind of uh give us a little bit of a run through about what cat's dream is and then we'll get into it so cat's dream is a solitaire adventure rp rpg experience it's basically um inspired by the movie cat returns we're in you start off um, seeing a cat, and by following the cat, it leads you into this adventure. And the adventure is generated by the use of playing cards, which are laid down, laid out to represent the journey. The game's quite freeform. It assumes that the player is interested in creating a story. So it doesn't try to be too crunchy or too specific in how it handles matters. But at the same time, um, there is a card system that has been designed in order to still help you feel some levels of excitement and tension and mystery. To play the game, you need a deck of cards, and any standard deck of cards is usable. I'm 
still working on the version that uses a tarot deck, but that might not be released anytime soon. Um, that includes the rules for the group play. <laughs> and other than a deck of cards, you will need a six-sided die. Okay, so, of course, I have my cards and I forgot my die. Oh, I have a game right next to me that has a six-sided die, so I'm, <laughs> I'm like, boy, it'd be nice if I was actually prepared, folks. Yep, that would be nice, huh? So, if you look at page nine, okay. well, uh, that is that shows you the layout of the cards, and it's it's this strange, um, I guess you could say a letter T or a cross-like shape, wherein you basically will have four cards, uh, three cards laid down and a central space where you can put anything that nicely represents your character if you want to there. Okay. So in some, in some cases where I played this, kids, for example, would love to draw what their character looks like. So the drawing would be in the center. And then they'd lay the cards down around it. The card on the left would be the card that represents hope. The card on the bottom represents strength. And the card on the right represents your fear. Now, in this game, the card values matter. Because when you go through challenges, the hope, strength, and fear ratings are then what you use to see whether or not you're able to overcome a challenge. To make it more interesting, each area has a specific suit. So hope cards, um, cards in your left side, unless they're heart, their value is only one. Okay. But if you do draw a face card, that's whether it's a jack, a queen, or a king, then a notable character enters the story and can help you succeed automatically if you so desire. So any cards on the left that are not hearts are value one. Any cards on the bottom that are not strength cards, which are spades, are valued one. And any cards on the right, which are not clubs or clovers, are your fear cards and they're valued one unless they match the suit. Now, above that setup is where you would have your journey cards. And your journey cards represent how many major scenes you want in your story. On a short game, that can be five cards. On a long game, that can be as many as 15. There's always the flexibility to play as long as you want. Um, there was even some people who, during playtesting, spent only one card for each game session and would only go back to the game once a week. So they extended their Cat's Dream session for as long as they could. Others just play through it real quick and leave the cards face up so they can easily go through the motion. So for this one, I guess we can go for a quick three-card scenario just so that you get a feel for how the game goes. Very cool. Yeah, so you lay down the three cards at the top, and the rest of your cards go to the lower left corner, which is what we will call your story deck. Okay. Now, as we play the game... And it probably won't happen because this is only a three-card session. But as we play the game, there will be times that you will end up discarding cards from your story deck. If your story deck ever runs out before the game ends, and that means before you finish all your journey cards, you wake up abruptly and the dream ends. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of your game, your bad ending. <laughs> because you weren't able to reach the end of your story. <laughs> so let's go through the zero prep version, which is using the character generator. Yes. So that's in page 11. <clears throat> so let's, let's figure out who you are. Okay. You can draw a card. Okay. And uh, after you draw a card, you can choose from one of the given options. Okay. So I drew a diamond. So I am a athlete, chef, farmer, blue collar worker, or twin. I'm going to do blue collar worker. Okay. That's interesting. So far in many of the playtests I've had, Twin is the super popular choice in that list. But one did choose Chef. 
So you're a blue collar worker and you want to draw your card. All right. I want to. So, so, you, so you're drawing from the story cards and you're placing them in the discard pile afterwards. Yes, I am. Okay. okay. So I want to help someone get home, adventure, leave, or escape. Hmm. I'm going to say because of blue collar worker, let's just say maybe they've worked too much. Let's do escape. Okay. I, I want to escape. Then you're, you're actually, your you're extra detail. Okay. Is, and it's a spade. I am blind, talk to animals, scare easily, or hate cats. Boy, boy, that would make for an interesting story, wouldn't it? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. This person is blind. Okay. And name, if you can't think of one, there's an oh, easy list. Choose one. Yep. Let's let's do the easy list. I like I like all these names. I want to choose one. All right. Uh, so I can choose from Adrian, Maki, Didi, Bench, Yai Hair, or Jai Hair. JR, yeah. JR, okay, perfect. Rupert or Mon. Let's go with let's go with Maki. I like Maki. So we're Maki, the blind blue collar worker who's hoping to escape. That's right. All right. So we can now start the adventure. That's page fourteen. Okay. Which always begins with a cap. You know, you you notice a cap. So maybe the story begins. You're at work, or maybe you're walking home from work. And that's when you chance upon the cat. So you roll the dice twice, and you get your descriptors for what kind of cat you see. Okay. So, okay, so for the first one... Yeah. Officially, you'll roll three times, but we'll go through it table by table. So. Yeah, sounds good. So it's going to be a brown... Solid. So, yeah. So it can well, be a brown solid cat, or you can switch the numbers around, and you can go for a gray pointed cat. Okay. I like the brown solid cat. I like I like that. So we'll and do that. Your third, yeah, and your third roll determines why it, you noticed it. What made it different? Okay. So, special trait. Roll a four. Walks on walls. There you go. I like that one. So we'll say that I was just leaving work, and as soon as I walked out of the side door where we were kind of let out every day, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a solid brown cat that's just a little too thick. And you're just wondering how does that thing climb on basically on a brick wall that you do, you're like, how does this thing get any purchase? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, probably it, it like goes literally, you know, walking on the wall. So it's impossibly defying gravity. Yeah, exactly. And you start following it. So as we continue to page 15, um, uh, just so, just so you know, so as you as you narrate these stories, it's up to you how much you want to embellish. I've had players who just the scene of meeting the cat, they've already written like two pages of story because they're so <laughs> happily excited, uh, excitedly describing it. They're even you're even free to just come up with your dialogue as soon as you want. So you might yeah. you know monologue and talk to yourself about the cat. Or maybe you're talking aloud and checking if the cat notices you. So it leads you basically to a door. So now we roll two dice again. Uh, roll twice. Okay. So it's uh, what kind of door and what makes it more interesting. Okay. That's in page 15. Okay. So it is a tiny door. Oh, boy. Some Alice in Wonderland stuff here. Mm-hmm. A tiny door that no one else can see. Yeah. Or you can try switching the numbers. It can be a glowing door that calls to you. Oh, 
I almost like that better. So I'm going to say that it's actually on the top. It's towards the top of the building. It's like on the top third, fourth of the building. And it's just, it's just glowing. And I'm like, I've, how come I've never seen this before? <laughs> and, and I have this really weird inkling inside of me that says like, is this cat can walk on that wall. Maybe I could, you and know, you, maybe you start walking on the wall and following it. Yeah, exactly. But what actually happens is for some reason I get, I get distracted by like a bird or something and I mm-hmm. fall. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's basically one of those things where it's like, it, it, it it's it, you know talking about movies it's like a thing where it's like i take one step i take two steps i'm like oh, I, I can do this this is cool you know i really mm-hmm. like this is this is fun and then mm-hmm. i take a third and fourth step and then a bird like flashes by my head and it just it scares me and you even hear that you even hear the cat that's walking towards the door just kind of you know just kind of hiss at it you know <laughs> and it scares you know all the commotion kind of scares me and then i i fall mm-hmm. on the ground you know and uh, I'm just all of a sudden, but you know, I just kind of shake it off, and in a weird, weird kind of style, like doesn't think in it, doesn't think anything of it, like and does like a weird like Charlie Chaplin move, and just kind of like brushes himself off, and then just mm-hmm. starts, starts to walk again, and just and just it's that theater, that theater shoulder shrug. I'm determined to do this. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. Starts, starts marching up the wall. That's so. Right. As you step through the door, as we turn to the next page, page 16, we now see where the door leads you. Oh, very nice. Okay. So I open up the door. What happens? Um, it is leads me to a moving mm-hmm. three, which is a moving underwater city. Ooh, I like or that. A, or a dangerous beach island. <laughs> dangerous beach island. I, you know what? I don't think I don't think that's something my character would like. If he if okay. this person really wants to escape, I don't think dangerous things might be the thing that they <laughs> want to go to. But maybe they do. But I I really think that the moving underwater city would really just kind of really excite this character. You know, just okay. it's like what is going on here? Why is this here? So you step through the door and the next thing you know, you have these glass walls and you can see all the fish and whales and coral and something else makes this place more interesting for you. That's table C. You can roll the dice. All right. Sounds good. This place is filled with my imaginary friends. Oh boy. (laughs) So I'm going to say because this person's a blue collar worker, I'm going to say they're a little bit older. I'm going to say they're, you know, in their mm-hmm. late thirties, early forties, and it's it's a life just long past, you know, where it's a thing where you know he doesn't even think about that kind of stuff anymore, of course, because he's just treasuring through his job, and uh, he sees um, a little teddy bear that he used to call Momo. That mm-hmm. you know, when he was younger, like he was always scared to be a grown up. And mm-hmm. Momo would always talk to him and be like, you know what? I'll help you through these things. And he would always like be like a, a parent parental figure to him, basically in this little cute bear where maybe his parents maybe didn't pay enough attention to him. They were just like, you know, I we work, you know, 40 hours a week. This is what we do. You know, you can do your thing and, you know, we'll do our thing kind of thing. And they didn't have enough time. So like he basically put his faith in this little bear that kind of helped him out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he's also missing an eye because he's like he's he just he played with him so much and carried him around everywhere that just you know just at one point an eye fell off and he didn't think anything of it you know he's like oh, this is they're still missing friend. the eye. He's still missing the eye, you know. Oh, and no. and because oh, you know what? I didn't even think about this. My character is blind. Yes, so that <laughs> works so well. Yeah, so it's one of those things where oh, maybe you know, if he's blind, he doesn't really know the color of the cat. He just thinks it's brown and he knows it's big mm-hmm. because he was able to kind of maybe get a little bit of a reach to him and the cat kind of coyfully coyfully kind of just ran past him or whatever but but he yeah he, in real life he walked up the wall yeah exactly and i'm gonna say instead of the bear having one eye i'm gonna say the bear had no eyes he lost both of his eyes so you're and, like you, you you when you meet the bear you're feeling the face and that's when you realize you can't feel the eyes and exactly and he's like he's like you know you're my best friend because you're like me like I I have the eyes but I just I don't I don't see things but we see things differently actually you know we feel mm-hmm. and we and we experience and we we know these things so you know even though it's you know I get to this under floating underwater city like. I can feel what it is, you know, I can feel the movement, I can hear the, I can feel, I can hear the sea life, and I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, even though, even though I'm blind, like, that, like, that, you know, maybe when I was younger, like, I found, you know, this, maybe my grandma gave me this CD, and it it had these ocean sounds, and it just, Mm -hmm. it was just comforting to me, and I, you know, I, I, that was, like, you know, so, so going to this, you know, it's, it's, bring me back to a simpler life where things were, you know, just, it was just me against the world, basically with my, with my bear friend, Momo. And, and your bear friend starts, you know, walking with you. And it's here you have your first, your first major encounter. Okay. So, um, we could actually have Momo be the major encounter unless you want to have Momo be your companion and, you know, you have someone else be the encounter. I kind of, I kind of like Momo being my companion because I think that he is my reason for my escape. He's like leading me to this this place. Mm-hmm. So, so let's I mean, generate I now your let's generate now your first encounter for table okay. D one. So that's a okay. die roll and a card draw. Okay. So I've got a number six, and I have. A monster, <laughs> of course. Wait, number six and a black card or red card? Uh, black card. So it's your reflection. Oh, where did? Am I on the wrong one? Uh, page seventeen. Page seventeen. So black. Yeah, you're up. You have a six, right? A f- oh, a six. Oh, duh. Yeah, I I apparently cannot read either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe I just maybe I'm seeing what I want to see. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so I'm gonna say that I bump into something, and I'm I'm kind of scared. And um, Momo is basically like. So the reflection uh, could be a literal reflection. Maybe it's like you know your reflection on the glass, but it talks back to you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Let's say that. Oh boy. It could be you hear someone talking to you, but yeah. then you reach out, you feel the glass. So the the viewer of the movie, so to speak, <laughs> knows yeah. you're talking to your reflection, but your <laughs> character just thinks there's someone past the glass talking to you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you know, I 
kind of bump into a mirror, what I feel like is a mirror, and I hear I hear some noises. I'm very boggled by it. I'm like, why why would there be a why would there be a mirror here? It obviously knows I can't see it. That's just kind of weird that that would be there. Yeah, or if not a mirror, maybe a window. That's all. You, all, all you can tell is glass. Yeah, yeah. And then I hear, I hear my own voice. You know, almost kind of garbled. Actually, let's just say that you know maybe it's actually a reflection in the water. Maybe instead. Oh, that's and, nice too. Yeah, and it's kind of talking to me, and it's, it's you know saying like, you work too hard. You need to remember the like the fun times, you know, you, you don't, you can't, you're, you're growing up to be too much like your parents and you, you don't realize that, you know, that that's not what you're about. That's not what you were like. You know, you were as much as, you know, you love them and maybe, you know, maybe they loved you just as much, but you just, they loved you in a different way. Like, like you're not them, you know, you can have fun. That's why you're here. With me, with Momo, you know, you you don't you don't need to be the way you are. You can be different the way you truly are. Okay. And with that, let's roll the die for the 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 main the main contribution of what your reflection will talk to you about. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna roll a die. And number one, it issues a challenge. Ooh, that <laughs> that fits so well. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> boy. Boy, there's lots of different ways this could go. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he challenges you to to find some place, or maybe he challenges you to you know stop being the adult for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I think he, my reflection offers that like you are a loving, fun, passionate person, and what you're doing right now is is very uh, like. Trying to think of a word and it's not coming to me, but it's like there's there's no passion in what you're doing. There's no you're having no fun. You're you know you're aging too quickly. It's you're getting to a point where you know like you know you you love having your you know Momo here as your friend and you know you have me here now, but like you you know right now you don't really have any friends and you need to have you need to have that camaraderie you need to have that shared passion so you can stop living this life that that you know is is like slowly like i wouldn't say killing him but like slowly you know draining the life out of him basically page 18 the next page is a general page that we can use if ever you encounter any face card and we want to figure out who it is. Okay. But now that we're done with the intro, the actual journey can now begin. So remember the cards you laid out earlier? Yes. Let's turn over now the first leftmost one in the top row. Okay. So the first one is a four of spades. So if you look at page 43, that's where the spades table is for the basic journey. Okay. We have the ace of spades. What did you say? Did I hear you oh, correctly? Oh, the, f- the four of spades. The four, four of spades. The key word is resolve. You can do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a moment that has your character feel the determination to accomplish things. Nice. And the basic result is a simple one, which is you reshuffle back four cards from your discard pile. Okay. Right now, I don't think you have that much cards in your discard pile. So you can, I think, reshuffle. I think there's only three right now. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> so just toss those back in and shuffle okay. them back at your story deck. But okay. I guess having heard the challenge, you realize, you know, your reflection's right. You have been, um, I guess to use the term, blinding yourself by living this adult life without adventure. Mm-hmm. And Maki decides to, you know, r- resolves to take the challenge. Yeah, definitely. He kind of, you know, gets the sights and the, the or not the sights, but like the smells and the feels of... Uh, what's going on around him and he says you know what a long time ago i wanted to work under the sea you know i wanted to you know discover new things you know i wanted to research you know wanted to you know just because because of the sea and the ocean like there's it just there's just an ever expanding amount of things there and oh, you know, if I could just discover something that no one had ever seen before. You know, it's like okay. that's that's something that he's always had a passion for. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm even thinking maybe maybe at this point, so you've been facing these glass walls all this time, mm-hmm. but now your reflection shows you this doorway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the challenge is embrace it. Walk mm-hmm. through the doorway out into the water. But as you step through, thanks to your resolve, you realize you're still breathing despite your underwater and the underwater city is not like inside this glass chamber, but it's out there with the coral, with the fish swimming above and around you. And so you're actually walking now within the water itself. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I see things even though, you know, I don't know if this is a, you know, a, a dream or if it's real and I'm seeing things I've never seen before. And it's, it's or actually i shouldn't say i i feel them yeah again i can't see yep and you know like even momo is helping out momo's like oh maki check look at look at this one look at that you know and by looking we feel it you know you feel the movement it's like that radar sight of daredevil that's right that's right yeah and i you know i can see it in my mind's eye and i'm like well it's 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 kind of like a like an octopus but it's got two less, you know, uh, legs or whatever. I can't remember like tentacles and it's got, it's got a bigger beak, but it's also, it's, it's, it's like really rough and it should, it should be like this thing that people are very scared of, but for some reason I'm in love with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, even it could, al- it could also be that since you're seeing them through feeling while most people, for example, when they see the fish, they just see the fish swimming, mm-hmm. but you, since you can feel its movement, you can see the patterns. You can see the patterns it leaves in its wake, how there's this spiral that it leaves as it, you know, swims along, or how mm-hmm. when the when the stingray swims by, it's leaving these arcs that look like, you know, rainbows in its wake. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just it's one of those things where it, it even though it's hard to see, it would be hard to see in this scene. Uh, maybe it's something where it kind of zooms out a little bit and um, he's just so overcome by all of this and all he's been through and stuff like that. He kind of cries a little bit and mm-hmm. you, you kind of see that within the water and it kind of it, it it's singular and it's like you can tell that it's it's there and it's his tear. But then it, it kind of fades away and kind of blends in and it, it mm-hmm. almost blends in in a like colorful way where it's like it becomes one with the ocean or where I, wherever I'm at 
and mm-hmm. it, and it, it you know it's just he just knows that you know this is something that he's passionate about awesome so i think we're ready for the next card all right perfect the next one is a queen of hearts okay we have a face card up here so before we so queen of hearts is an authority figure who welcomes you and again you reshuffle all your cards this game really doesn't want you to leave. Yes. <laughs> Too bad we're playing a short game. Um, if we go now to page 18, that's the other encounters page. Okay. Um, we can use a card to generate who the authority figure is. But of course, this is again only if you want to. Because you might already be enjoying your story so much. You can decide who the authority figure is. Okay. Right now, I don't. I really don't know who that would be. So I kind of like chance here to tell me yeah, what exactly is happening. Up. All right. Sounds good. So yeah, I yeah. have, I have a jack of hearts. So that's a red jack. Yes. An entangled archivist. Oh my gosh. So it could be like maybe a a, a lore keeper who's trapped right now in a cage or something, or maybe they're too busy working. Um, it could be a authority figure who's right now literally caught in a net. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, there's an ecological statement in our story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or it could be figuratively entangled. So maybe we see him and he's right now talking to all these other people at the same time as he talks to you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that it's someone that is so actually caught up in what they're doing that they're like like what i'm do what i had been doing like oh wow yeah like they're they're working on this stuff and this is something that i think is amazing i'm like oh this is so i would just i can't i would just love to be in this situation and there's someone that's doing it but they are on the opposite end there's no passion in their eyes there so it's a reflection of you again yes exactly so it's another oh, reflection so awesome. of me but it's doing so it's doing this thing that i'm really excited about but obviously maybe it's something that they've missed out on mm-hmm. you know and i'm basically you know like i'm gonna say that they're trying to do something and i, I can't think of what this thing oh, is but they're oh, it's the underwater city maybe they're the ones managing the underwater city oh there you go there you go and they're just you know they're just like you know oh you know we need to do this and we need to do that and you know make sure that this is built and make sure that this is safe and you know stuff like that and uh maki comes up to this 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 person and it just sets his arm on this person is just like you maybe the guys all um one moment and then uh oh, make sure you organize the festival then looks at you i'd like to say then he looks away again oh make sure you also <laughs> you fix it and turn to you welcome you to the then he looks away again and nice he's always interrupted in his in the conversation with you because he's just too entangled with everything he's doing yeah yeah that's great so you feel that he's welcoming you but you see how because of all the entanglement it just doesn't feel real it doesn't feel like he's really welcoming you you don't mm-hmm. feel the sincerity and that makes you think about your life how maybe you're so busy people don't feel that you're really there mm-hmm. uh, this story is getting heavy <laughs> 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 and let's move to the third and last card for this demo all right sounds good the third one is a three of diamonds mm, interesting uh-huh. an argument with the local Oh, no. <laughs> and, and we will have our first strength challenge. Nice. Um, 
after this one, I think we'll just intentionally choose two other card results just so that we resolve challenges and we have the demo of how that works in the game. Yeah, definitely. So for now, um, you get into an argument with the local. Um, so how do you see that happening? Are you talking the mayor out of being the mayor and the people don't like it? Or are you... You know what? I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to be trying to tell these people that are working for the mayor, like, you, you got to give him some space. He's, you can, can't oh. you see he's, you know, he's broken down. He's beat. I mean, look at, look at his face. He's just, you can tell he's just, he's on his last leg. You got to give him some, you got to give him a rest, you know, and these other, and they're all just like, well, I've got this dude and I got to do this and I've got this and this has to happen. Otherwise I can't make my deadline. And just everybody is screaming back at me and I'm trying to help all this one person. And it's just ruining everything. For, for the fun of it, let's generate who the main person you're arguing against is. Let's okay. draw a card for that. Okay. Sounds good. So I have a six of spades. So that's a black six. It's a bold poet. <laughs> so we have this very outspoken poet who's now arguing with you about the mayor's merit. Right? Like how he's the heartblood of the city. You can't tell him not to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Yeah, and and that's, yeah, go on, go on. Oh, and I'm just, I'm so frustrated. And I'm like, can't you see that this is killing him? I mean, I understand. We need this city to work. But, like, can't we just l let him have a little bit of space? And in true dramatic fashion, uh, fashion, the poet goes, the, turns the question back to you. Wouldn't you do the same if you were in his shoes? <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I, you know, and it's funny because, and then I'll just, I'll react like, you know, it's funny I, before I would, but I, I've, I've, I, I am this person and I can't be anymore. And now to resolve the scene, we have the strength challenge. Okay. So the way strength challenges work is, your strength value, which is currently what? That's the card in the bottom of the of the cross. Oh, that's right. Yeah, left is hope, bottom is strength, and then right is fear. Okay. So how much strength do you have? I have a strength of... Now, was that the cards that we just did at the top, or was I supposed to put some cards out at the beginning? So um, if you look at page uh, 13... Yes. So you see how you have your cards in the top for the journey, right? Yes. And then you have the, the cross, which is the hope, strength, and fear oh, in your character. Right. Okay. So so what's the card in the strength area? Uh, the card in the strength area is a two of clubs. So it's currently a value of one. You don't have that much strength right now. Okay. What is the value in your fear area? It is a three of clubs. Which means you have a lot of fear. Because <laughs> your fear is three. So... Strength goes against fear. Okay. Now, since your strength is not strong enough, um, had your strength been a red card, you could have added your hope value regardless of its suit because hope can give you strength from the most unexpected places. <laughs> now, nice. now, since it's not, however, red, then you have to do what we call trying again. So okay. you discard right now your strength card. Okay. And you draw two new cards and hope one of them at least is a spade. Okay. I do. I have a seven of spades now. So now you've found new strengths to go against the fear. You overcome the fear. And you can now narrate that the scene ends better for you. Nice. Now, let's say the cards were not enough. Let's say the other card was not a spade. 
mm-hmm. then they would be two different cards, right? Then that would be a value of two, since each card is a value of one. Oh, okay. And that still wouldn't have been enough to beat the three. <laughs> so that has the last last ditch attempts wherein you roll a single six-sided die, and that value is added to your value for that last push to try to overcome the, the challenge. Nice. So system-wise, the reason I chose the six-sided die for that last moment is it sort of allows you to push up to a value of eight. If you think right. about it, you roll a six, and the two cards aren't the suit that that's the suit you need, right? Mm-hmm. So it sort of still gives you a more or less chance of succeeding, but nice. it still fails, and it can still give you the dramatic result of failure in the game. <laughs> so in this case, we succeeded. You're able to convince the locals in some way. You are now free to narrate that. Nice. So basically, I think in a way to, I'm not going to do it in the way that maybe everybody thinks. Instead of like talking everybody down. I basically mm-hmm. do one of these things where I, <laughs> this is going to be such a weird, like almost Disney move, moment now since everything's been so, so mm-hmm. kind of heavy. I kind of like, even though we're in an underwater city, I basically throw Momo at him, at the mayor, mm-hmm. just, just to kind of get his attention. And apparently mm-hmm. it, it gets everybody's attention. And it it's like one of those slow-mo moments when Momo was just kind of, going through the air and it almost looks like a weird action shot where he just he's moving his arms and legs even though he he knows he's not gonna fall because he's in water mm-hmm. you know and it's mm-hmm. this, this weird slow-mo thing and the mayor catches him and it's it's soothing to everyone all of a sudden and it's just everyone is just like what is happening here but it, mm-hmm. it it's also warming to everybody and transfixed it, by cuteness Exactly, <laughs> and in that and in, and in that moment, it should be a thing where everybody just gets to enjoy this. I grab the mirror and I just I take him with me. Mm-hmm. It's, I, that, I, you know. it's the Ghibli grab and run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're like we we're gonna get out of here. Everyone is stunned. We're okay. They'll be fine. Let's you know let's get you out of here. So um, typically, the game should now approach the ending because we're in the last card, but. We're, we're, we're just rigging this to demonstrate the other systems in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go for a hope challenge next, um, just so that we play how a hope is resolved. Okay, perfect. Um, so let's assume your next card was the hearts, uh, eight of hearts. Okay. And, and that is you pretend to be from here. So the mayor is like, you know, where are you taking me? What's going on? There's so much work to do. And you talk to him about... Boy, what would I talk to him about? Because you're pretending to be from here. Yeah, that's true. So I'm like, I'm like, you know what we need to do? I think we need to get you home because you know what? You've been doing so much here. You need to do more at home. I mean, you've got, and for some reason, he just, he just all of a sudden just knows something. I don't know. Or maybe it's just in the back of his head. He's like, you have a, you have a partner and you have a couple of kids and like, you need to get back to what you know what you're excited about you know you need to get back to your family i'm like just you know what i think we need to you know i think we just need to go you know go hang out with that you need to go be with them and he goes he goes to pull the mirror in one direction and the mayor's like but my my house is this way <laughs> you're like of course i'm sorry just the hubbub i just i wanted to i wanted to help you escape of course let's how about how about you? You take me. Let's go. Let's go together. And with that, if you look at the chart in page forty-five, the eight of hearts 
is a hope to challenge. Okay. So unlike strength challenges, which has fear as the counter value, hope challenges, there's a number that's written down that you have to beat. Yeah. And hope challenges, you face them using hope alone. Strength can't help you. <laughs> so in this case, um, we look at our cross again. Mm-hmm. There should be cards in every location. Yep. So you, you, you have filled up strength and fear again, right? Yes. Okay, so your hope value is what? My hope value is a five of clubs, so it's only a one right now. And that's not enough to reach two. So you throw that away, and you try again. Okay. And you'll notice hope is a little bit more forgiving, because whenever you try again, you draw two cards. So even if they're not hard, that's still a value of two. Okay. And I if you that. look at the table, yes. uh, most of the hope challenges are not that high a number. Oh, very nice. But and there are some challenges that have really high hope. For example, uh, real quick, if you look at spades, that's page 43. The yes. king of spades who tells you to go home oh. is a hope eight challenge. Oh, holy smokes. So there's that big, no, you should return to where you came from. And it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to overcome. Uh, oh. not, not enough hope there. <laughs> but in this case, uh, luckily we're all in the hope spot because I found a three of hearts. Oh, awesome. So not only are you so full of hope that you even inspire the mayor that you succeed in this challenge really well, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's the state that the so we've we've now demonstrated fear and oh, sorry fate and hope challenges. What we don't have in the basic journey table are fear challenges. Mm-hmm. And fear challenges, I included the rules in this book, but they're to be more explored in a later book where I introduce stories where the player can actually die. So they're oh, more geez. they're more mature stories where the stakes are higher. Yeah. But as far as this story is yeah. concerned. The mayor, you walk with him to his house. The mayor starts to, I guess, see his family. And we now reach the end of the journey, which is page 29, where we generate now the details for our final scene. (laughs) Okay. So roll your dice twice. Roll my dice twice. Okay. So first descriptor, it's a reunion. Oh, boy. (laughs) That fits so well. I know, right? (laughs) A reunion, a blossoming flower. Mm. Or if you switch it around, it could be a festival and a delicious treat. Nice. Well, I like the I like the original one. So I'm gonna say okay. I'm gonna say that the ending is this reunion between this mayor and his family, mm. and um, he, you know, finds his partner and goes up and and uh, you know gives his husband a kiss on the lips and you know and. His partner is like, thank you, or what are you doing home so early? And uh, the mayor's like, well, you know, I just, I know I had a feeling I needed to to be here, I guess, you know. And uh, his partner has a just a big wild, just a big uh, knowing smile on their face. And um, uh, a couple of kids run up and uh, one of them pulls on the leg and is like, daddy, daddy. You're home. You're home early. And uh, the mayor's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I am. And uh, he almost does this weird kind of shakes his head kind of thing and looks at the kid, looks at the kid like like he's looking at them for the first time. Like, you know, I don't ever do this. And the kid kind of beams a little bit. And uh, the other kid comes running in and um, she is just so excited to be there that she runs into 
Maki right right into his knee and almost knocks him over. And it's just kind of mm-hmm. this weird, weird scene where, you know, it should be one of those things like when kids kind of run into stuff and a parent sees that, usually they're like, oh, but like, mm-hmm. bo- like everybody laughs because it's mm-hmm. like it's almost like a thing that just happens regularly, you know. And it makes uh, it makes Maki laugh. It makes you know it just kind of brings a smile to his face, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. he's he's just really like you know he just kind of giggles. And uh, the mayor looks at Maki and just says, "Thank you. I didn't know I needed this." And uh, yeah. you know Maki doesn't even bother saying anything else. You know he just kind of smiles, and and all of a sudden the it kind of bub- like the water just kind of bubbles up and bubbles away and Maki's back in his world and he's I don't know just has a smile on his face and you know a, a bird that a bird chirps and he sees the the um or he doesn't see but he feels the brown cat walking mm-hmm. walking uh across the the parking lot where he's at and kind of goes in between his legs and you know he goes down to pet the cat and as he goes down to pet the cat he, the cat's gone it just disappeared mm-hmm. and he just kind of smiles into the i don't know to himself and his you know i don't know maybe he even paints the the world around him now based on everything he's hearing because now he sort of appreciates more that there's more than just work yeah definitely. so when the bird chirps he he suddenly visualizes where the bird is and then he visualizes the traffic and He's basically creating now what he can't see based on everything he can feel in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where before, like everything around him, you know, he had senses, but he just he didn't have he didn't sense anything. He just now and now he senses everything. Yeah, yeah, and that's where our story ends. Yay! I love it. So that so that's a, a feel for how the game can go with a with a small set of cards. You'll notice in page 48, I even added extra rules, uh, optional rules that people can try using if they want to give their games a different change. Very nice. And, and then finally, since I was a sucker for Graveyard of the Fireflies as well, <laughs> starting page 57, I added extra table for darker stories. Nice. And I've... You know, I've even recommended to some people that once they're, they're, they've used the basic journey table so much, they can start mixing tables. Like maybe you can denote all the black cards will use another journey table. So they're kind of scarier. But then the red cards are always the nicer tables or mix and match. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of many possible combinations and opportunities for story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's got a lot of, and it's it's funny because even those these you know additional card tables maybe not be as heavy as this this one that we just did. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like I feel like when I when I do role playing games now, it's like I want to be more lighthearted, but for some reason I always go to a serious more serious place. I don't understand why. <laughs> well, I think it's because deep down there's more meaning in the stories you craft now based on what you've gone through in life. So. Mm-hmm. That's true. Maybe maybe that maybe Maki was me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife is laughing in the background. She doesn't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> oh man! Well, this was great, Toby. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that game. Um, 
you know, it just it just goes to show the level of craftsmanship and work that you put into it. And it was just awesome to be able to play this and have you guide me in this journey. Thank you for having me. And I'm really happy you enjoyed the game. Awesome. So if anybody can get a hold of you and find some of the products that you've made and stuff like that, how can they get a hold of you? Currently, um, I have all my digital stuff in drive through RPG. I'm hoping to also have stuff in Itch, but I'm old, so I'm having trouble understanding <laughs> how Itch works. Hey, I will go, readily go to the internet honestly, and just ask the young people. That's what they. That's what I do. I'm also afraid to reach out, so I'm. I'm. I'll. I'll get there someday. <laughs> um, some books, like A Single Moment, do have a print-on-demand option in Drive-Through RPG. Cat's Dream sadly does not yet. I'm still working on understanding how to lay things out for print-on-demand publishing. Because uh, back when I did a single moment, I hired a friend to help set it up. And, um, well, exchange rates can make pricing difficult sometimes, mm. <laughs> especially <laughs> if you're coming from Asia. Uh, but there is a um, what I call the Ashcan First Editions, which I released locally. I'm not sure how that will ever have international release, but if there are any listeners who are in the Philippines, feel free to reach me through either drive-thru or Facebook, and I can send you a copy since we're all in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very awesome. Well, that was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. We're going to have to have you on again because it was just too much fun. So thanks again. I'm very happy to be on the show again. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So until next week when we have another awesome guest, I am Kurt. (laughs) And this was (laughs) the MFG cast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.